I want to start a new series today called Spiritual Warfare. And uh, I told you we've been talking about different things uh, that the Lord's given me this year. And this is actually one of them. But it will probably not be what you think it is. Because I can promise you, well, I can't promise you, that's a bad lie. (laughs) But I do tell you that we probably will never talk about David and Goliath. <laughs> but I thought that was a good picture. Um, but it, it began to, uh, that, that picture came to me and I thought, okay, God, what are the giants that are in our life? What are giants that you and I face uh, when we're talking about spiritual warfare? And, and really, folks, it's something that's totally different than probably what you think it is. Uh, because you might be thinking, I'm going to stand up here and talk about the demonic and all this stuff. Well, No. Because I believe part of this part of spiritual warfare that we need to look at is things that we face and what happens to us that, that affects our spirit. And, and, and so many times we call stuff spirits and, and things that are spirits. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, well, I think one of the greatest mistakes the, end of the, the church has done is we've tried to find a devil in everything. The church has become, let's find the devil. Let's find the, that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil. Let me tell you, you would be surprised if I went into some scripture, which I intentionally didn't do. But if you go into Galatians chapter 5, you would be surprised what he says. Some things are works of the flesh and they're not spirit at all. <laughs> it's just a side because that's just something that people do. Um, and they're not spirits. Well, that's a spirit and that's a spirit. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we've done is we've tried to find the devil in everything and we stop looking for God. Folks, I don't have time to try to find the devil all the time. I don't, that's depressing. Tyler, who wants to find the devil? And, but I'm telling you, the church has spent more time looking for the devil than we have celebrating Jesus. And celebrating our salvation and celebrating our, our God. And, and, and so when we talk about spiritual warfare, I'm thinking about as we move forward into the things of God, what part does an enemy play in your life? Well, it, some of you don't know me. I'm a sports person. I coach basketball, coach volleyball, coach football. Don't like baseball, so. (laughs) But the thing is about coaching, Darren, if I don't know what the enemy's plays are, if I don't know how he plays, if I don't know, it's like a boxer who goes into a ring and nobody has ever watched the other one fight before. You know, they they do this. They go back and they watch fight tape. We did this when we played football. You go back and you watch videotape so that you know what the enemy is going to do. And so here's the problem with the church is we've tried to tell the enemy what he's doing. We've looked at people who are just acting out their flesh and we've tried to call it a devil. Come on. Go to Galatians chapter, not right now. But in Galatians 5, go read that. You'll be surprised what are works of the flesh and has nothing to do with the devil. I'd say you'll be shocked. 
because <laughs> we've tried to label it. So what I want to do is I want to first recognize the enemy. I, I, I almost, Scott, made a whole message about this and I thought there's no way I'm going to make a whole message on the devil. He's not worth my time. <laughs> this is not worth my time. It's not worth your time. But really quick, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, he is called the accuser. The word says that he is the accuser of the brethren who constantly goes before God to accuse you and I. So it's not God who accuses you of your wrong. It's the enemy who accuses you of your wrong. So when you lay down at night and all this stuff starts going through your head, it's not always the Holy Spirit saying, oh, you need to feel guilty. How many of you know if you have prayed and, and said, God, just forgive me of all that stuff, the Word says He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We've been trying to ask God to forgive us of things that He has long forgotten. Oh, my, my, my. He doesn't remember your past. He doesn't remember where you went. He doesn't remember who you went there with. And he doesn't really need to be reminded of it anymore. The word says that he takes all of our sins and casts them into a sea of forgetfulness. And remembers them no more. So all this accusation, all this feeling guilty, all this other stuff, that's not God. You ever had somebody just made you feel guilty over everything? Do not look at your spouse. Everybody look at his. <laughs> you remember when? You remember when? That's not God. That's the enemy. So in Revelation 10, he's called the accuser. In John chapter 8, verse 44, the word says that he is a murderer. Remember, he looked at those uh, good-fashioned, old-fashioned religious people, the Pharisees, and said, you're of your father the devil. For he was a murderer from the beginning and a liar. This is how you recognize the enemy. If it kills and it's a lie, then it's the enemy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he's a thief. He says, for the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So you want to recognize the enemy? Is it killing? Is it stealing from you? Come on. And is it just, the thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Well, I believe God just took that out of my life. Did it? Oh, come on. We blame God for stuff that we would put most parents in jail for. like Darren grabbing Ocean by the arm and breaking his arm and said, son, that'll teach you a good lesson later in life. It may hurt now. That's not God. God, we would call somebody. Probably Sandy down to find what number to call, but I would call somebody. Come on. Because we don't understand God. The enemy, the thief comes to steal. So if it's something that you have and it's not yours anymore and it's not sin for you to have, oh, come on. To kill. Well, I believe. This is usually gets people mad at me. I just believe that was just God's will for so-and-so. 
going to get to it in a minute. In Acts chapter 10, he's called an oppressor. It says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is not of God in no way, shape, form, or fashion. It is not of God. That's the thief. You need to recognize that. Quit, uh, Bill, I've heard him testify. Well, Lord, he, he, he kept me humble this week. My stomach was messed up all week and I just couldn't leave my house. I couldn't get past the bathroom. So I just prayed all week long and if that wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't have prayed all week. Come on now. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if it does one of these three things, then that is the enemy. <laughs> Come on. In Matthew chapter uh, 4, in verses 1 through 3, Jesus himself was faced with this version of the enemy. Every time he was out in the, in the, in the garden, yeah, yeah, he's out in the wilderness to pray, what did the enemy come to do? He came to tempt him. Well, I'm just tempted. Well, you need to get rid of that temptation. That temptation, that's a devil. It's, it's, it's an oppression. It's something that the enemy has brought to me. But if me acting on it, well, I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Come on. That's, that's not the enemy, that's you. The enemy may bring it to your mind. He may put the carrot in front of your face, Ron. But that don't mean you have to buy it. <laughs> in, that's it. In 1 Peter uh, 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 chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If it is devouring, you know what it means to devour something? It means to eat it up. And if it's taking from your life, that's not God. God's just going to keep me humble so he'll keep me poor. That's not God. That's not God. So he's a devourer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that, that uh, he's a dis- he destroys in 1 Corinthians 10, 10. He, said, he, tells, he tells them there, he said, don't complain as some of them also complained. And he's talking about the children of Israel and were destroyed by the destroyer. The enemy is the destroyer. Folks, God is not looking to crumble your foundation to make you love him more. That would be like me punching Tyler in the nose and said, no, that'll make you love me. <laughs> There's no, God does not believe in love taps. If he does, he knocks you whack, whacked out and then you, you know you've been loved. But he's not trying to hurt you to love you. Amen. That's the enemy. In Acts chapter 10, I already quoted it, verse 38. The enemy is an oppressor. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. So what did Jesus go about doing? Good. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. 
that's the enemy is the oppressor. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. Paul's, Paul's talking about wanting to come to the church of Thessalonica, but he said, Satan hindered me. So Satan is a hinderer. Come on. When I know I should be moving forward, I know this thing should be happening, but I just keep fighting this fight. I just keep doing this. Why do I keep getting hindered? It's because it's the enemy. So I think we can rest assured right now that for the next little bit, anytime over the next part of your life, I need, we need to examine our life right now. If these things are happening, that's the enemy. That's not God. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. He's not trying to make you love him more. He's not trying, no, that's not God. That is the enemy moving in where he doesn't belong. Now, so when we talk about spiritual warfare, what are we talking about? We're talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. He says, for we walk not after the flesh. For we don't walk in the flesh. And we do not war after the flesh. In other words, what we're operating in has nothing to do with this thing on the outside. Here's what the church has done. The church has tried to wage war on people's behaviors because we believe their behavior is sin. Sin has nothing to do with your behavior. Try that over here. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> sin has nothing to do with your behavior. Your behaviors are a result of sin. Huh? That's, 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 that's been stuck in there. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we walk not in the flesh and we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Fancy word for fleshly. They're not bodily. They're not temporal. For the weapons of our warfare are not in the body, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hold right there. I hope you're still clapping in a few minutes. Because I know right now in the back of your mind, somebody's mind's going, I went to the enemy's camp and I <laughs> took back what he stole. He says, your weapons that you were prepared with, that you were presented with, the weapons that you possess, they're not flesh weapons. But they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, here's the key. Well, what's a stronghold in your life? Well, Paul's getting ready to explain what these strongholds are. They're not some... Oh. Casting down... Imaginations. Casting down 
Amen. So the weapons that you have are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. One stronghold, the imaginations. That word imagination means a thought, a reasoning thought. It means a contemplation, an idea. So what the weapons that you have been endowed with are not to go out here and just wreak havoc on the devil's camp. It's also, but because we can, you know, you don't have to. You already have the victory over the enemy. The word says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What the problem is, is most of us don't realize the biggest battlefield you will ever face in this life is the one that goes on between your ears. He said, it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, thoughts, ideas, reasonings, and every high thing, a thing elevated. Now, I went to uh, William Mounts' dictionary. He defines high thing as the tower of self-conceit and presumption. Well, isn't that what he says? Casting down imaginations and the tower of your self-conceit or the presumptions you have about yourself. Ooh. So he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt, that lifts itself up, that exalts itself. That word exalt means to lift up, but here's a better definition for it. Most every def- definition that you find, it says that the word exalt is actually means to speak in a loud voice. Now think about this. Every imagination, every tower of self-conceit that speaks in a loud voice that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the battlefield that you're going to fight is anything that comes loudly into your mind, into your thought processes, into your imagination, into the ideas you have about yourself. Anything that is contrary to what God says about you is the enemy of your life. That is where your spiritual warfare takes place. Now look what else he says. And bringing every... Oops, sorry. This is what happens when you read so many translations. You start quoting from one and forget what one you put on the screen. And bringing into captivity what? Every demon? Nope. Well, let's go get those devils and, 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 and let's take them captive. You can't take a devil captive unless you first got your thought life captive. He said, the weapons you've been endowed with are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every exalted thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing your thought life into captivity. (laughs) Now, some of you know, I was a substance abuse counselor for years. And when somebody would come to me, they would say, well, well, Brent, I relapsed. Okay, well, when did you relapse? Well, I went to a party and there was all this stuff around 
I said, no, 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 that's not when you relapsed. Well, yeah, because when I was there, I did this drug. No, 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 you didn't relapse there. He said, well, what do you mean? When did your relapse happen? Your relapse happened before you ever left the house. When in your mind, you begin to play through. Now, if you've ever been an addict to anything, you know what I'm talking about. When in your mind you begin to play through what's going to happen, what could happen, and even if you sternly get yourself to the point that I'm not going to do it, I'm just there to hang out, I'm just there to do whatever, come on. Relapse happened a long time before the action. <laughs> and that's what the church wants to do to people. We want to attack their action rather than fix the word repent is metanoia do you know what it means to change your mind to change your mind about the way you see this to what God says to change your mind about how you see yourself compared to what God says about you to change your mind from looking at your failures to looking at your victory in Christ. From changing your mind to looking about your past rather than who you are in Christ and where you are seated now with Christ. See, anytime this rises up in you, it is your job to grab that thing, to cast it down, and to take your thought life captive. The mind is the battlefield. It is. Well, you know, I can't help but just sit and think on these things. Yes, you can. <laughs> There's a lot of times I think about things. <laughs> One of the tricks we used to give uh, people when we would do a, a group in, in addiction. Anybody ever heard of the rubber band trick? Yeah. Put a rubber band on your hand. Anytime. But that thought life comes, that thought comes. Anytime you remember what it was like to use, anytime you remember. So anytime anything negative other than the word of God and what God says about you comes up, snap that. Anybody in here ever trained a puppy? When you catch a puppy getting ready to do its thing. <laughs> In the living room, what do, you, what do they tell you to do? It Change its mind. Yeah. One way that they used, to do it, they used to tell you to do it was put rocks or metal or something like that into a pop can. So that when he goes to, or he or she goes to go, you go, they go. What did you do? You took control of his thoughts. That's what we have to do about ourselves. Because the enemy's going, always going to tell you you're not good enough. The enemy's always going to tell you you're, you're judged and you can never get past your past. The enemy will always tell you that you're not going to be able to move forward. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. You might as well go eat a worm. He's, all this stuff's going to happen. But see, what we have to do is train ourselves to stop those thoughts in their track because they're exalting themselves against the knowledge of God that God says about you. And when they do that, it will keep you in bondage. Most people are in bondage because they've never broke, they've never walked away from their chains. 
They say you can take an elephant. Now, I've never raised an elephant, so I don't know. But if, you, if he's chained all of his life, he gets used to the weight of that chain. And that eventually you can untether him and he still will never go further than what he's been conditioned to do. I've seen him just tie him up to a, a, a plastic lawn chair and he never went further than what that lawn, well, as soon as he felt that tug, he'd stop. Because his mind had been conditioned. Folks, it's time to condition yourself, your mind, to the mind of Christ. He tells us in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Wait a minute. That'll blow your mind when, when you realize God told you to think of yourself that way. Why? Because you are from God. You are of God. You were birthed from heaven. And heaven is your natural place. So that battlefield, you know, we, folks, we talk about faith a lot. Faith can begin in the head, but it's often killed in the head. From beginning to heart, it's often killed in the head. Oh, I've got faith. I'm pumped, Denise. Let's go. And all of a sudden, I face my first obstacle and I hear the enemy in a loud voice exalting himself. You can't do this. Okay. That's what you need to control. Spiritual warfare. Yeah, it's about things that affect your spirit, but it's about the battlefield in your mind and the thoughts that the enemy brings to you that are contrary to what God says about you. Second, yeah. Ooh. Folks, let me tell you, the breeding ground for tur turmoil and torment and fear and defeat is your mind. It's just a breeding ground. And if you, and if you let me tell you something. We, we, it's been studied and we, we watched a thing in, in a, the marriage event we had here a couple weeks ago that just replayed it out again. That there is a place in a man's brain he can go and he's not thinking. Women haven't accessed that. <laughs> Bernie's going, nope. <laughs> so ladies, please don't get mad at your man when, he, when you ask him what do you think about and he says nothing because he really is thinking about nothing. <laughs> but it's usually in these quiet contemplative times is where the enemy wants to talk the loudest. When everything, you know, when you lay down in bed at night, can you believe you treated your husband that way? Can you believe you treated your spouse that way? Your wife that way? Can you believe you treated your kids that way? Can you believe all the mess that you've made? How in the world is God going to love you now? You have created such a mess for your life. It's terrible. But that's a battle going on. And you can either lay down and take it or you can start reminding the enemy of what God says you are. Shoo! 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. So fear is of what? Okay, if God didn't give it to you, it didn't come from God. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, 
of love and of a sound mind. See, God is in, yeah. God wants you to control your thought life. He's given you a, I just, I wish I had peace of mind. Then you need to take peace of mind. You need to look the enemy square in the eye and say, I don't care what you say about me. God's word says something different and I'm going to stand with God's word and I believe what God says about me. This is my battle because fear is not of God. What is of God? Power. Love. I just can't love that person. Yes, you can. It might be hard, Dorothy. But you can do it. <laughs> of love and of a sound mind. Romans chapter 2. Roman, no, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading this one out of the expanded Bible. Because it throws a lot of the definition in and I don't have to read the definitions. Do not be pressed into the mold of this age. If you're reading King James, it says, be not conformed to this world. This is just defining the words. And do not be pressed into the mold of the... In other words, don't start looking and thinking at the same minds. He's saying don't have the same mindset the world has. Well, now... And do not be pressed into the mold of this age, but instead be transformed by a new way of thinking. King James says by the renewing of your mind. He said, be transformed. There is a transformation that takes place, not on how I act on the outside, but there needs to be a transformation of how I think on the inside. He said, be transformed by, by a new way of thinking or changing the way you think, the renewing of your mind. You will be able to test and approve what God wants, what is God's will, what God's will is. And you will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. How do I do that? By how I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder what God's will for my life is. He's trying to tell you all the time. It's all, he's always explaining it. He's always leading us and guiding us and giving us that direction. So what are we doing? It has to be in the mindset. The battlefield is the mind. Well, I just can't forgive so-and-so. That's a, that's a thing in your mind. Do you, you do realize forgiveness, forgiveness never depends on the other person. <laughs> if Ted punches me in the nose, I can forgive him whether he ever says, Pastor, I'm sorry or not. That's my way of thinking. Or I can give in to the opposite way of thinking. When I catch his back turn, I'm going to hit him in the back of the head with something. <laughs> but see, I have to take thoughts. I have to control that thought. I have to take captivity, that thought, and realize that love is of God. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a say on mine. He said, and so when it comes to forgiveness, I can actually and really walk in complete forgiveness whether he ever tells me he's sorry about it or not, Missy. Well, this is hard. This is called spiritual maturity. This is called spiritual warfare. Because everything in me wants to do the opposite, Matt. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. God's concerned about your thought life. 
Well, I would never just verbalize this stuff to anybody. He doesn't say nothing about verbalizing nothing to nobody. He's talking about our thoughts. Those are the things we keep to ourselves most of the time. He says in, in, in verse uh, 17 of Ephesians 4, And I tell you this, in the name of the Lord, you must not live any longer like the people of the world who do not know God. Their thoughts are foolish. Verse 18, their minds are in darkness. So what does that tell you at all it's going to start at? They need to repent. Change their mind. Change their mind. Oh my goodness, folks. If we could start walking this way. He said their minds are in darkness. They are strangers to the life of God. Why? In their minds. And what happens is their behaviors bear it out. See, what the church has tried to do is we want to fix everybody's... We want to, we want to use behavior therapy on people. Don't do this and everything's good. But it doesn't change their thoughts. It doesn't change their minds. It doesn't change how they see themselves in God. Are you with me? I told you this spiritual warfare probably wasn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. Um... He says their minds are darkness. They are strangers to the life of God. This is because they have closed their minds to him and have turned their hearts away from him. They do not care anymore about what is right or wrong. They have turned themselves over to sinful ways of the world and are always wanting to do every kind of sinful act. And I love how the NIV puts it here. They can think of. It's just the result of wrong thinking. If we could bring people to the place where they can change their minds about God and who God is and what God is and what God feels about them and how God really sees them and how he is what he has already done for them. If we can say, hey, just change your mind. Just at least look over here for a moment. Then the hearts start falling into place. But you do not learn anything, anything like this from Christ. If you have heard of him, you have learned from him. Put away the old person you used to be. Have nothing to do with your old sinful life. It was sinful because of being fooled into following what? Bad desires. Thought life. It's the thought life. Oh my goodness, folks. The battlefield that you're going to struggle with is going to be in your mind. And if we would put as much thought into understanding and seeing who God is, verse 23, let your minds and hearts be made new. You must become like a new, like a new person and be God-like. Then you will be made right with God, true and holy. Our actions will always follow the path of our thoughts. Try it over here. Our actions will always follow the path of our thoughts. So until we can change our thought life, our actions are always going to be messed up. And if we, can bring, if we want to change our actions, 
then we change the thought life. If I'm insulted by Larry and I allow myself to continue to think about the incident, continue to think about what he called me, continue to think about what he did to me, continue to think about this, what am I doing? I am losing a battle. Because all I'm doing is stirring up my own anger. <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll just stay aggravated all the time. So what do we do? Well, first thing you need to do, and I'm going to, we're, go, we're ending right here with two more things, is you need to declare peace on your battlefield. You need to declare today peace on your battlefield. It's the peace of God that floods your life. Philippians chapter 4. How do I do this? How do I declare peace on my battlefield? Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. And I'm reading from the uh, expanded Bible again. Again because they give the definitions and I don't have to. Do not worry or be anxious about anything. Hey, everybody look up real quick. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. Do not worry or be anxious about anything. And, but pray and ask God for everything you need. Always give thanks. You want to walk in peace in your mind? First thing is thank God. Constantly live in thanksgiving to God. Well, Larry said this about me. Yeah, but I've got 12 shirts that look the same. They're all just in different colors in my closet. Thank God. But Larry offended me. Yeah, but I got a beautiful wife and two good-looking kids. Thank God. You see, what you fill your mind with will begin to control your actions. So the first thing you do is declare peace over your life. And he said, but pray and give thanks to God. And look what happens when I, when I give thanks to God, when I begin to stop being worrying, stop being anxious, and the God's peace, which is so great we can't understand it, it transcends all comprehension, will keep guard your hearts and what? minds in Christ Jesus so if you want to declare peace in your battlefield those two verses can actually cause God's peace that you can't even when all hell is breaking loose in your life and you think you should be crumbling up and all of a sudden you can say oh, it's a beautiful day do you not know what's going on yeah I know what's going on man it's a good looking day it's rainy man Y'all know I used to sell perfume? <laughs> door to door. I carried a metal briefcase that had perfume inside of it. Had boxes of perfume in my trunk so that when my case was empty, I'd go back out, Steve, and put more in it. I'm not lying. In Dublin, Ohio, We'd come out, and when you work outdoors like that, and it's door-to-door, -door, you don't like to see rain. Oh, great. And they would always stand us up, Amy, before we were sent out in our directions for the day. And they'd say, today we're dealing with a 100% chance of liquid sunshine. 
and liquid sunshine is good. It makes the grass grow. It, it waters all the animals. It washes things. You're not going to have to wash your car tomorrow because of liquid sunshine today. You see, they begin to take a group of people who may not look at the greatest situation and say, we have got to change their perspective because if they go out there with the wrong perspective, they're not going to sell. They'll just go hide in a bar somewhere all day long. And come in at the end of the day and say, well, I made no sales. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so it was liquid sunshine. So you got to declare peace over your own battlefield. Secondly, is you, we have to, this is a must, folks. We must gain control of our thought life. Must. If your mind is overwhelmed with a certain thing and it's causing you problems, guess what? You're losing. Even if you think you're being woke, even if you think you're awakening, you're losing. Because if it's costing things out of your life, the enemy's using that thing. Come on. Next two verses from Philippians 4 says this now then brothers and sisters think about focus your thoughts on fill your minds with things that are true and honorable and right and just and pure and beautiful and lovely See, this is what your mind thought should all, this is how your mindset should always be. There's a devil, there's a devil, there's a devil, there's a devil. No, 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 no. Your mindset should always be, man, it's beautiful. Man, it's lovely. Man, it's good. But there's things going wrong in the world. But God's still so good, man. But everything's falling apart, not God. But the whole, everything's being crumbled, not God. Lord says his throne will be established forever. See, my whole thought process should always be God is good. He's lovely. He's beautiful. He's true. He's honorable. And I'm going to focus my thoughts on these things. I think part of our problem, Cassie, is we don't focus our thoughts on the right things. He says whatever is respected and commendable, if there is any good morally excellent and any worthy of praise think about focus your thoughts on fill your minds with these things I don't do that all the time Sheila I don't let's just be honest now verse 9 do what you learned and received and heard from me and saw me do and the God who gives peace will be with you you want you want to feel God's presence at all times then think God's thoughts at all times amen let's pray father we thank you for today I thank you that we can win the battle of spiritual warfare I thank you that you have called us chosen us and set us apart for your kingdom and I thank you Lord for mothers that have 
filled this room today and I speak a blessing on all of them. I speak a blessing on their children and their grandchildren. I speak a blessing on their homes and a blessing on their finances. I speak a blessing every everything they set their hand to do prospers, Lord. And I give you praise. And Father, when my mind is going somewhere else, help me see it so that I can take authority of my own thought life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.